Thank you, and welcome to this teaching from Today Evangelical Ministries. Today Evangelical Ministries is dedicated to teaching the undiluted truth of God's Word. Here is Dr. Emeka Ozrumba as he brings today's teaching. May the Lord bless you as you listen. The question is this, and let us try to see if we can even do any justice in coming close to it, but the Lord will help us. Some people have been worried about I don't know, I guess somebody will be telling them, we come to the house, we pray for you, we do this, and uh, break generational causes. Have you heard about generational causes? Uh, I think, I, I don't know if there's any one of you that haven't had that. Okay, presented to them. They're going to come and break the generational causes. And I know that everybody wants to hear about that. Generational causes, family causes. And the question that came and I tried to just answer it in one paragraph, but he said, no, just continue and deal with it and get it done. What is generational cost? And how do you break generational cost? Isn't a question everybody can answer? What is the generational cost anybody can tell me? Because suddenly, I've been living in this country for many years, and most of you have been living here for many, many years. All of a sudden, we didn't think about this. All of a sudden, there are cropped up new people who will come every time. What they want to present that we want to talk to you about the generational cost. You need to break the generational cost in your family, thereby putting you more and more and more and more in danger and bondage. And I'm coming right now. Please, let's get it right. A generational cost to me, whatever you want to define as cost, okay? Professor can tell us whatever you want to define as cost. But I know cost, everybody knows what cost is. So a generational cost, to me, is a cost that everyone who is either born in that family or whatever the, you know, the geographical definition actually is born into that cost. It's a perpetual, did I get it right? I mean, this was just as very literal. It's a perpetual cost that continues with the family from generation to generation anti-generation. And lately, it has become a wonderful issue in, 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 in the life of our people. Even most of us who have been here for many years and forgotten a little bit about some fear, most of us are beginning to be afraid every time and worry about it. Do you know the thing that makes me fun these days? Can you think about someone like me? I've been in this United States and then maybe I'm driving a car on the road and my car stalls. I said, those people have come again. <laughs> no, no. You see, this is, believe me, this is an amazing thing happening. They have come again. They are doing this and doing this to me. We have come back. In other words, taken back almost like thousands of years backwards. And what about the distance? Is there a generational cost? Yes. I know questions are going to come. But let me see if I can get it close to me. Is there a generational cost? Yes. Let's see about it. We are actually, the, we have a little bit in the Bible. But even if somebody asks you a question, what is the generational cost and how do you break a generational cost? Because some people came to them trying to break the whatever it is. And I said, well, I wish they come with a hammer. But I know one thing that can break all things, as far as I know. Because there was somewhere I read in Jeremiah, if you have not read it. He said, isn't it, does anybody remember where it is? I think Jeremiah 23, 29, right? 
He said, isn't my word a hammer and fire? The hammer that breaks all things. That's what he said there. All right? And there's something about how do we do this thing? There's something I told you in this very fellowship. Whenever any human being will ask you any question, especially and I pray, pertains to God. Because if you are actually walking the spirit of God, everything is about God. I told you there's only one way to answer that question. What is the way to answer that question? Any question you're, you're confronted with. With what? With the word of God. Let me tell you, that is nothing that Jesus Christ answered. That it was not something already written. Because why? God cannot change. What is written is written. I said it in that book. What is written is written. Anybody can manipulate the way they want to manipulate. God, God cannot change. So if you answer anything that has to do with God, with let the scripture answer the scripture or the word, then you are, you are, you are okay. Any argument about that, stay away. Paul said, don't argue with them. In fact, that's, that's why Christ was just saying, let your word be one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, anything else that's more than that has become an argument. He said, it's of the devil. Because when I start arguing with you, what am I trying to prove? Huh? I'm right, and you're what? That is not of God. I don't have to worry about that. If you want to be right, you'll be right. But let, it, let God be who? The judge. Okay? So, let's look at... Are you ready, my dear? <laughs> let's look at where the, this international course we are talking about. We're going to do to it. Hopefully tonight, that prayer that I said I prayed, God will answer it will be liberated and forget about most of this is worry about. Please don't get me wrong. I don't come here and sit down and say, oh, there's nothing of all these bad things happening in life. No. The Bible even said it. But you see, Paul said, when I'm a little kid, all I do is give me milk. But that comes, comes a time when my eyes are, what, open, that all I need now, I'm an adult now, I need meat. I need to understand. I can't sit down there and somebody coming to tell me, you know, this is a general. Because if there still be a generational cause that needs to be broken from you, that means you're not yet born of God. Come in, you can mark it now. If there is still a generational cause that needs to be broken from you or taken away from you, you are not born of God yet. And you don't know God. Well, come in now. Read me what? Exodus, please. 20. Three to five. Okay. Exodus twenty three to five. Um, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, mm -hmm. visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Okay, let's, let's, please let's get this in and try to work it out. Thou shalt not bow to any idol or to any graven image or picture of anything at all, whatever it may be, whether it's in heaven or earth. You shall never. We'll come to that because somebody has raised a question like, what of uh, 
some carved images or whatever it is in churches. We'll come to that. That's not what I'm talking about right now. The scripture said that if anyone who will bow to idol, that's nothing that God hates more than that. That means you have taken another as your God. He said, if anybody will do that or give an image, he says, all the way to the third and the fourth generation. But there's something he said there of those who do what? Those who hate me. I love that. Now let's get it right now. So, if that's those who hate him, then what happens to those who love him? No, we're going to come. And the answer is there. Don't worry. Okay? He's saying, from the third to the fourth generation of those who serve idol, they will be punished by me. But then, you see, God is such a merciful God. God cannot change. And from the first day on, God has already told us that it is not my desire that anyone at all will perish. Therefore, wherever there's a cause, there's also a cure. Now, I'm just coming right now. Because after all, those who put in the medical distance, there's rarely any disease now they said is incurable. Where there's any kind of, there's always a window of life that God will always live. And Moses got it right. Moses came and said, well, here now I present to you blessing and what? Curse. If you do this one, it's this one. If you do that one, it will be that one. Which means that wherever there's a blessing, there's always a curse. And where there's a curse, there's what? A blessing. They've got to be able to find a way out of it. God has already made it that way. No matter whatever we do in going through. So, from that very point, that's when God established the thing. I'm just coming about this generational course right now. And see how we're going to break it and that's the end of it. I hope so, tonight. From that very point on, what is the difference between the generational course that's in my family and that one that is in the family of Adam? Can anybody tell me? Do you know that through Adam, we were under generational curse? Right? Where? Is it not a generational curse? And somebody asked me, how do we break that generational curse? How was Adam's generational curse broken? We're coming now. I have already answered it, but we're going to come and try to make sure we get it clear. And some people will tell you all sorts of things. But how was Adam's generational curse broken? The blood of who? We're going to come to exactly we're coming, right? So, from the beginning, God knew. And when he drove Adam and everything out, in Genesis, you see what I, where he said what? In Genesis 3, he made it clear about the way to salvation. I'm going to come to it right now. About the way to salvation. He said, the seed of a woman will always bruise Satan's head. And then as the time went on, God even made it clear in the same scripture you read right now. He told us about the way out. Read me six. You have still there? Read six. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now that that's we're coming now, my brothers and sisters. I will show mercy unto even though I will punish those who hate me. From the third generation to the fourth generation. But I will show mercy on those thousands of them and millions that love me. And do what? Can I hear you? Do what? Keep my commandments. And keep my commandments. Now we're coming now. It goes back into the two keys, the kingdom of God again. Love and what? 
Obedience again. No matter however you want, you go ahead and preach whatever you want to preach in churches, do whatever you want to do. It all comes back to these two keys. You cannot miss them. Without love and obedience, you cannot do anything about God. He said, unto those who love me, thousands of them, I will show mercy. And I know the question some of you are going to ask. We're going to wait. I show mercy unto them. But as God went on, because of time, as God went on, every prophecy, every prophecy, or let's put it even individualize it, every prophet that God sent was only meant to prepare for that very day when this generational curse would be broken. God so loved us, he wanted that no matter. Every prophecy, all the way, Isaiah, to whatever it may be. And God came to a point where he came and said, well, to make sure we understood it. Now, Exodus 20, that 3 to 5, when he says that those who love him, I mean who hate him, what's that inclusive of? Did that include the father? The children, right? Everybody, right? But the same God came and started telling us that as time goes on, I will establish a covenant, a new one, that I'm going to do at a time close to the preparation when actually the promise, the seed that's promised, Christ, will come. I'm going to establish a new covenant. At that point and at that moment, it's no longer going to be a generational cause that everybody, including their, their children, will always have. And we're going to come right now. Read me Ezekiel. Ezekiel made it clear. If you look at Joel, the same thing. I have now come. I will establish a new covenant. It is going to be an individualistic one now. I will put my spirit. Nobody, whether they are big or small, everybody will now know the Lord because of my manifestation. I will send myself. That's his son coming in. Ezekiel 18, 14 to 23. Can you finish reading that, please? Ezekiel 18, 14 to 23. Yes. Now, lo, if he begat a son that seeth all his father's Now, stop right there. If you don't have time to read all that, God is saying, if a wicked person, that individual who had hated me, like some of us right now, remember in our families, maybe we hated God. We bow to our forefathers, whatever it is. But God is saying, if that person who offended me, no matter whatever offense he, gave, he did, if he will have a son, if you have any child, like you and I, that would do what God. Okay. Um, now, Lord, if he begat a son that seeth all his father's sins, which he hath done, and considereth, and doeth not such like, that hath not eaten up upon the mountains, neither hath lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, mm -hmm. hath not defiled his neighbor's wife, neither hath oppressed any, hath not withholden the pledge, neither hath spoiled by violence, but hath given his bread to the hungry, and hath covered the naked with a garment that had taken off his hand from the poor, that had not received usury nor increase, had executed my judgments, had walked in my statutes, mm -hmm. he shall not die for the iniquity of he his father. He shall not die for the iniquity of who? His father. His father. Go on. He shall surely live. Yes. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, spoiled his brother by violence, and did that which is not good among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. Mm -hmm. Yet say ye, why? Do not the son bear the iniquity of the father, when the son hath done that which is lawful and right, 
and had kept all my statutes and had done them, he shall surely live. He shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. It shall. Let's stop right there. I just want to make sure the progression from Genesis to how far God has gone out of an unbelievable or abundance of his mercy and grace. Coming in and saying, look, why would this, it's not just, why would this be? If somebody had gone there and done all evil, and then he gets a child that's born, and that child is doing all the things good, why would I hold it against him? That's how God, I mean, we're coming now to see how it's broken. I'm talking about you and I now, that no matter whatever has happened in our family, and I don't care, no matter what, but we've not gotten away from there, if we truly have gotten away from there. Listen to me now. And turn over to doing what the will of God is. God said, I will not hold it against him. He shall surely live. And telling you, because, you know, there was one time, even in Ezekiel, I was, something happened in Ezekiel. It was, I don't know whom it was, God was responding to. He said, why are you asking me this? Because the Israelites were saying, well, why wouldn't the son bear the iniquity of the, the father? You know, we do it a lot back home. When uh, I do something that is wrong, and they start looking for me, they don't find me. And they go and arrest my mother and father. Can you believe such jungle justice before? What have those people done? Somebody told me one time, someone did something to me, and they, they, you know, the guy was telling me, all you need to do is go pick up the father. I said, 80-something years old. I go pick him and put him in prison. Because I'm trying to get something from the son. Now, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And God is saying, no, 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 no. All souls are mine. The soul that's in it, that's the one I'm going to look into. And that is why Paul was saying, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man, whatever you do on your own, that shall you reap. Now, and God has given us that way out from Ezekiel, we see it right now, and God is moving to that salvation. Now, so that's only one way to break generational curse. Is true salvation the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to explain many things right now. I'm not talking about deliverance. I'm not talking about liberation. And I will explain everything to you. The way it is right now. That's true that. And only that. He said, the time will come when that my covenant will be established in your heart. And we did then. Nobody will tell another one, say, do you know the Lord? Because he said, all will know me, whether they are large or small or big, because my spirit will be dwelling in them. And that's why Christ came and said, let me tell you one thing. The time has passed when you used to climb the mountain. The time has passed when you have to go to a particular temple and say, that is all where I'm going to serve God. But from now on, the true worshipers of God will worship him in spirit, in, 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 because the kingdom of God is then within them. Let's, let's make sure we just get this. And that confident, he said, I will establish a new one. Hebrew 8, please. 10 to 12. Hebrew 8, 10 to 12. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hand and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. 
for I will be merciful to the un, to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, a new covenant he had made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth It's old, okay, it's okay. Let's just uh, a new covenant now that I've written the law in their mind and their soul right now. Every human being shall see the glory of the Lord. The manifestation of the Lord is they cannot deny it anymore. Nobody needs to tell you anymore. Why was he saying that? Because when God sent himself, Christ, I mean, he was telling us in Hebrew, Hebrew 1, 1, 1 to 2, right? Do you have it there? That everything he has sent, but finally he sent himself. Hebrew, no man now, yes. Hebrew 1, 1 to 2. God who at sundry times and in diver ma di diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by their prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he had appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world by whom also he made the world but then this, this scripture also tells us one thing that we are what I'm just looking at the air that we are what Ephesians 4 7 please joint here now if actually and this is I'm just saying Please, always make sure you weigh whatever I say. If actually we are the heirs and we are still laboring on the generational cause, are we actually heirs of the kingdom? Did you get what I was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ephesians 4, 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of of the gift of Christ. Of the gift of Christ. When he comes, he makes all things new. That's coming right now. It is no longer that generation because when he comes, he makes all things new. And that is the deliverance. I'm coming right now, please. That is the deliverance that we're talking about. Do you know the worthless, I've been talking about this, and sometimes people think that maybe I'm so angry with it. Do you know the worthless exercise of deliverance and liberation that I've seen in this world? Real worthless. And you know why I say it's worthless? Please get me now. And that is why some people may not understand when I say that there's no deliverance, there's no liberation except salvation. I know what I'm talking about. A true spiritual deliverance. Is not only to deliver somebody, but to transform him. Listen to me carefully right now. I can come here, you come here, and I, oh, no, 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 whatever it is, I go to the village and pray to them, devil, just run. Maybe he'll run that day, maybe he didn't run, I don't know. But that village is not delivered. The person is not delivered until he knows the truth and live that truth. Otherwise, what's going to... Okay, let's get this. Uh, I don't know. Any, has anybody here served in the military? Maybe not the war. You have? Okay. You know, okay, if you are serving the military, why do you think... I'm trying to give you an excuse right now. Let me, let me even give you the one that is probably will bring you home to home. I'm doing surgery. I'm a surgeon. I'm supposed to remove this appendicitis. I don't know. You know I'm not in the medical field. Correct me, whatever it is, because I'm in the, the other side. And I open, I open the poor, poor, poor man or poor woman, and I look at the penis, and I close him again. I said, "Bye, we'll see you later." Have I? Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
you must remove that thing. But there is a reason why we cannot remove. When somebody is in trouble right now and possessed by the devil or whatever it is, we cannot remove, we can cast the devil away. But God, God will not destroy the devil. I'm coming, you guys are looking at me. God will not destroy, you know why? Until the appointed time God has given to the... Remember when Christ was trying to cast out the devil and the devil said, have you now come to torment us even before the what? Time. Until when that time has come. So actually what you do that you will deliver the person who is in trouble and transform, remove him from that spot to the other one. If you go deliver, you know, in the military, you go and you know, say liberation. You liberate something. Why do you stay there? The military, why do the army stay there to protect that place? Do you remember the parable of the man who was cast out? One devil was cast out of him. And the devil goes back and the place was vacuumed. Have you ever seen somebody building without a foundation? No, I'm just saying. You remember, the devil went out and was wandering all over the place and turned back and looked at the man and said, Oh my goodness, it's still, it's still open. There's nothing inside there. Is it something gonna take over? The bigger something that's bigger than the devil must take over. That's Christ in us. Then the devil comes back and says, No, no, I can't make it in that place. But as long as there's an empty building, go go and witness an empty building. You see snake, you see rat, murderers will be going there. Even also some drug pushers, because it is empty. Our life is not meant that way. That is why the Bible told us in Colossians 1.13. We need to make sure we get this background so that no more worrying about this. Because if you are in the Lord and you're still worried about this cost or no cost, that means that we're not there yet. Yes. Colossians 1.13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? Okay, let's, let's see that scripture. Because I'm not the only one looking at this. You say he has what? Deliver for okay, let's put it another way. He had delivered us from the domain of darkness, but he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. Listen to me. And yet he did what? He translated us, he transformed us into his image. Where you become him now, and he's in you, and you are in him. That's what resists anything. And that's why you see, Second Corinthians 317 were telling us so, so that. This God we serve is a spirit. That where the spirit of God is, there is freedom and liberty. And it goes back again to what God is talking about. Because that means what he's saying that there cannot be freedom or liberty as long as there is, the spirit of God is not there. As long as the spirit of God is not there, liberty and freedom can never be for any human being. Remember going back to you, even this thing. It's unbelievable how the word of God cannot contradict one another. That scripture, go back and tie it up to Genesis, even Genesis 1. We were talking about it last, remember last, uh, last week when we were talking about the, the word was vacuum, I mean, was, what's it called? Void. Until what? The spirit. It's the same thing, almost what he's saying here. Where the spirit of God is there, our life is void. There is nothing there. We may walk around and say, oh, well, we're enjoying the whole life, but we're dead. Because without that spirit of life, we will not even know exactly how to do the right thing. So, that is what deliverance is and the liberation. It is salvation. Salvation, being good. All those who believe in him, he said, now they have become what? What? New creatures. Okay, so, 
If we have been new creatures, some of us have been so new, new creatures, and we are still, still there, worried about generational causes and who's going to come and break it for us. Are we new creatures? Okay, when we worry about generational causes, what are we worried about? What are we doing? Are we, not, are we not operating in the dark? Are we not operating in the back, the, in the past? Are you following me now? That means we've not changed. But he told us one thing in John 1, 12 to 13. John 1, 12 to 13. Mm -hmm. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Remember Exodus 20. 6. was telling us, said, For those who love him and obey his commandments, he will have mercy from generation to generation. And then, who are those ones? That's those ones who love him enough that they believe in him. I know the question you're going to ask, don't worry, we're going to, we're going to do it. They believe in him and follow him and do his work. And once they do that, that's why he told us, you must, what, John 8, 32, you must know the truth. And it's only the truth. What is knowing the truth? Knowing the truth is living the word of God. And God dwells in you. That's why he told us one thing in First John. He said, if you obey me, my commandments, then my father, in fact, okay, let's, let's, let's look at John. If, yeah, even John 15, just read you see John 15 or 14, 23. Can't you just do that? This is 23. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, mm -hmm. and my father will love him, and we will become unto him and yes. make our abode with him. We'll come and live in him. Let's, let's make sure. I'm trying to make sure right now. That we come and live in him. If you obey me, I'll come and live with God said, I'll come and live in you. And when I come and live with you, there is no way God will come and live in you when you see how generational cause against you. It's not possible. But you come and get, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to go through all this ritualistic deliverance and blah, blah, blah. All he wants you to do is simple this. You believe in Christ, you follow and do his works. Live the life that he wants you to live. That should be set free. Because he told us what? In John 8, what is it, 36? He said, whosoever the Son has set free is indeed, is free. But that's why he was warning us in Galatia. Paul was warning us in Galatia. He said, why? After all this, you've been set free. You still want to go back again. Read me Galatians 4, 9, please. Galatians 4, 9. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements? Whereunto ye desire again to be in the in bondage. In bondage. In slavery. What did the Galatians do? In fact, Paul was saying, he said, he said, Paul got it right. Paul said, You know, you Galatians, you foolish Galatians, he said, I'm afraid of you. So you after all these things, you are not beginning to observe the days and months and you're going back again. You see, that's a problem. And Paul said, I cannot believe this. After you have been delivered. You still there want to go back and tie yourself in bondage again. Most of the people who do those things and encouraging people and say, This is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, and encouraging you and I, that's a generational cause, we're going to come and cast it out. They are the agents of the devil. 
trying to get you back into bondage because you know one thing, once your mind is in bondage, you are in bondage. That's it. You begin to be afraid. I wonder until that generational cost goes. But why did Christ die for us? Because there's no other sacrifice. He has made that sacrifice once and for all. And we are told clearly that anointing breaks every yoke. The anointing of the God breaks every yoke. Now the question you may ask me is this. When God said, I'll have mercy. Remember everything about it is mercy and grace. Am I I there? It's grace and it's mercy. That's why Ephesians told us we are saved by his grace. Not anybody's work. But God turns around, even all the way to so he said, unto those who love me, I'll have mercy and what? Okay. So, how do these people come about loving him? That's the question you're going to ask right now. How do these people then come about loving God and obeying him? How? I've already given it a hundred times. How do these people come then? Look, do you understand that? He said, Unto those who hate me from generation to generation, I will punish them. And then he turns about, however, I'm just putting the however myself. However, those who love me and obey me, I'll have mercy. Then how do these people love him and obey him? I just what? I, you're, you're getting close, my brother. That's what it is. The question you may ask, you and I said, then how do they, after all, who gave them the ability? Who gave them the grace to receive it? <laughs> okay, you are right. Okay, coming now. Well, um, because I see, who gave these people all of a sudden? Let's, let's put it this way: Who gave these people the grace? God. And yet, is the God of everyone. Why are you here? Not everybody. He's what? Why? <laughs> no, it's a good question because that is why that's why no matter whatever happens don't stay back my brother and sister listen to me you come here not because you want to see me I find myself like this I find myself like this I'm telling you right now and whatever he directs is what I do stand there sit there don't worry when the time comes I'm with you that's all the scriptures will come where they want to come but I want to tell you one thing right now for somebody who has had this unbelievable opportunity and privilege to be drawn by God, look at God saying, those who hate me from generation, the anger of God, I'm a jealous God, and it doesn't change. But he said, but those who love me, and yet none of us can love him on our own, or by ourselves. You see? Look at the peculiar, you know, some people just, they run around and tell us, we are the, what did they say, they, they are the, no, no, okay, children, they are the prince, and they want to all be priests and priests, whatever it is. All I want to be is the maker of Zurumba. God, please hear me. So, uh, we are the this and that, and you can go ahead and uh, shout, we are this and that, we are, we are the, the, the kings and the priests. If you want to have uh, the throne, you have. Except you follow him and obey him. All those is just, you know, our people say Bambashi, right? Something like that, Bambashi, whatever, okay, Bambashi. I don't know what I'm talking anymore. But anyway, so you're going to delay that, right? <laughs> But, but what I'm saying is this. God, these people who love him and obey him, he's the one who gave them. Think about you and I. When you go home, think about and cry. How come of all the people everywhere, 
Why are you drawn? drawn? You think all of a sudden I love God so much? No. He loved you so much that he was able to draw you to come to him. And that is why he said that unto him whom he had drawn and never turns back. He says it's not worthy at all. In fact, Paul had it right in Galatians. What did Paul say? He said, whoever turns back, he said, my soul has no pleasure in him. I love that. But what Paul was saying was putting God. God said, it's not my pleasure to have anybody perish. But if anybody has tasted this blood of our Lord and the truth and then still turned back, God's pleasure is not with I'm just telling you right now. Because there's got to be some reason why he brought us there. So it's out of mercy. And he tells us one thing. It is his misfortune. But why take him on us and others? Read me Romans, please. 9-11. There's something. Why is God? Let me tell you this. Why did God choose you and I? I'm not saying, don't, don't read it yet. I'm not saying that because there was a church that I went and they, they, they were just all have this big doctrine and they flash it on the board. They said, the only people who, I told you that before, the only people who go to heaven are people from this church because they all believe. I said, the pastor, I think I better go home because I don't know if I'm sure because I'm going to heaven. I'm coming here trying to ask God, please help me. And you say that the only people who go to heaven will be these ones. Maybe and they shouldn't be here. You see? But that's the reason. why did God specifically, he specifically called some people, but he didn't call others. Have you thought about it? This is a deeper thing. You got to think. Why did God call some people and he didn't call others? Why did God choose people, some people? He didn't choose others. Why did God put his mercy, no, his grace, that people will be able to do that which other people cannot do? Why? Okay, read me that. That's something very. Go ahead. Romans 9 11. Romans 9 11. For the children being not born, neither having done any good or evil, mm -hmm. that the purpose of God according to the to election might stand, not of works, but of him that call it. Let's stop right there. That the purpose of God. I know some gonna ask me this question, please let's get it. that the purpose of God according to election. I love that. You see, Paul was talking about Esau and Jacob. God said, you know one thing? These two children you have in your womb. I love Jacob, but Esau, I don't like that boy. I hate him. And they were not even born. And Paul was saying, I wonder what happened there. And Paul said, because the purpose of God, according to election, must stand. God has established it before the foundation of the world. You and I, before the foundation of the world. In you, you will turn to him. That is why Christ was saying, and also Peter said it, Paul said it. He said, only those who have God will hear the word of God. Believe me, do you know one thing? Do you know how many people that will hear what they are hearing? In fact, before, by this time they would have gotten up and left. Anybody that the spirit of God is not in him will not stomach the bitter truth of the word of God. He wants it very sweet. I am telling you right now, they will not listen. And he was able to tell the Jews, 
In John 8, 47, they said, you, know, you will not hear me because you're not of God. And they couldn't believe it. That's one of the questions. They said, who are you? After all, our father is Abraham. He says, your father is Abraham. If your father is Abraham, then you should do what Abraham did. But you're not doing it, so he's not your father in the first place. She said, that election might stand. Election of God from the beginning must stand. What is that election of God? Let's look at then same thing, Romans 8, 28 to 30. Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Moreover, moreover whom he predestinated, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can us? be against us? Now listen, that is where the, the predest let me tell you one thing. Also, that the purpose of God through election, that purpose of election, I have elected people. Why do you think they call them the elect of God? Why do you think they call you the elect of God? He said that that purpose that I have chosen must stand. I have chosen them before the foundation of the world. In Jeremiah 1 5, he said what? He said, Before even you were a mother, your mother's womb, I've already known you. I've already made you a prophet. I've already destined it. Remember what God said from the beginning. He said, Those who are his, he has engraved them in their hand, in his palm. And there's nothing you can do about it. He's going to be able to bring those people. Unless they decide later on, they want to be completely lost. He said, those who are predestinated. I, mean, I didn't write it there. He also he called them. And some of us may say, and that's a question. Why did God do it after all? We're all his children. Which is true. We're all his children. But go ahead and read me Romans 9, 11 to 18. Romans 9, 11 through 18. Hmm? For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand yes not of works but of him that calleth it was said unto her the elder shall serve the younger as it is written jacob have i loved but esau have i hated what shall we then say is it there unrighteousness with god god forbid for he saith to moses i will have mercy on whom i will I have, have mercy, mercy and i will have compassion on whom i will have compassion so then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. He hardeneth. You have mercy on whom you have mercy. And you see, Paul was just saying, I don't want to get into that. He said, how dare you? You clear. You may clear. He's asking God. Why did he do what he needed to do? He knew ahead of time what was going to happen, no matter whatever it is. So you cannot question him. That's why sometimes when you people ask me, said, well, why did God do this? I said, well, the time has come for us to go ahead and hire a plane. I don't know what kind of plane is going to get to heaven. And God said, God, why did you do this? Because I don't know. But one thing I know. He's a just God and forever. Whatever he has done is right. And that's all. I'm going to just be able to follow it up there. So for time, 
frame right now. That's why he told us. Let me tell you one thing right now. Anyone who is born of him, it is also in that book. Anyone who is born of God has become, we say they have become God. He's a replica of God. One who had been transformed into the total image of God. He has reclaimed that image that was lost by Adam. And that image is image of what? That image is image what? I know you got it, but who's God? Is the image, I, I know, you're right. Well, is the image of righteousness and holiness. That's why when some people argue with you and say, can, how can God, does it mean that anybody can be holy? What did God say then? That, I, that Because I'm holy, whether you like it or not. And we want to change it and dance with the word and paint it. No matter however we paint the word, God remains the same. And all we'll be able to do, instead of worrying, say, Lord, can, how do you help me so I can reach where you want me to? That's the kind of humility that God wants you here. And not arguing with him and said, ah, it's not possible. You see? So, anyone then, and this is a situation, please, let's get it right now. Anyone then who has really been delivered from the bondage of Satan and transformed into the kingdom of light, there is no more generational cause. If there still is, you have not been delivered. Romans 8.1 Romans 8 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That is where the issue is. Because remember what God said that all those who are led, Romans 8 14, all those who are led by His Spirit, those are the ones who are His what? Children. And the biggest problem we have is this. He said there are no more condemnation. I know, I know some people were still worried. Oh, somebody almost fought me. I don't know why. He was still worried about every tongue raised against me shall be brought to condemnation. I said, that tongue, what did it do to you? He said, condemn me. But did you see where he said there's no more condemnation against me? Why are you worried about those things? Do the right thing and forget about trying to really get yourself back into bondage. That doesn't make sense whatsoever. But whatever it is, he said there, that no more, no more. Because those people are free. In fact, those people are, you know one thing, anyone who is born of God, if that person will judge the angel. Have you, have you ever read that place? No, you haven't? That we shall judge the angels. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I believe whatever the Lord, what God says. You know why? He's saying we shall judge the angels. I don't know which we should judge them. Nobody has read what I'm talking about. You know what Paul is saying? It's all spiritual. Paul is not telling you like this. Is, Paul is saying, if we are a true heir, remember we are now joint heir with Christ. One with him. That means that all authority and power of Jesus Christ is in us. If we are truly his. That's all I'm saying. That's why he said, lo, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. If the kingdom of God is within me, everything that I know of is subject to me, to me. Because everything is subject to God. I know what, what he's talking about. If you and God are one, then who? Who is not subject to God? They're not subject to you because they're a human being. No, 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 no. They're subject to the one who is in you. And they bow before that one. So now, whatever happens, if you don't want to recall something that's worse than generational cause, 
If you don't want to recall that, then stay focused in whatever you have and then learn and grow from there. Never turn back. That's what I'm telling, telling you right now. If you turn back, my soul is not there. Why did he, he wasn't warn that guy who was healed. John 5, 14, right? He said, if you look back and go back and sin, say the worst may come. Now, if the generational cost in me is broken, listen to me carefully. If it's broken, and tomorrow I go back and I'm doing the work of the devil, why would the devil start even remind, even in dream? He may come there and remind me, say, do you, do you remember your father, what he did last time? Hmm? And then you say, oh my God, I came why would the devil do that I'm praying? Why wouldn't he? Because God, you have offended him. That's why it's so funny. Remember what I said? In Romans, I said, who can separate us from the love of what? And people will clap. I said, nobody can separate us. Absolutely nobody, but we, we can separate ourselves. Because he said in Isaiah, your sins have separated you from me. We can't. On our own, separate. God has delivered us. Now, if we want to freely and willingly go back, there is no more sacrifice. What is that a little read? John 5.14. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon this, thee. This, the worst thing come upon you. Read me Hebrews, please. 6. 1 to 6. Hebrews 6, 1 through 6. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. Go on. From dead works mm -hmm. and of faith toward God. Yes. Of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Yes. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to, to open, open shame. shame. Let's stop right there because of time. We've got to just close it. That is why there's something which someone was sharing with me at that time. I was just saying that it makes me cry. In fact, they were telling me, he said, look, look, look around you. There were people who were with us here who started even with us here doing running. Running. I was sharing that with Professor. Running. We started in this fellowship right now. I know many people travel. Maybe out of eight of them or whatever, or nine, I don't even know. You you only see about three. I know one of us uh, has traveled, three or four. And yet, let me tell you one thing. The moment you ever turn away from the truth of God, you will not return. I thought that Paul was just joking when he said it was impossible. I am t it, is, it will never be the same. Have you ever tried after quarreling with somebody bitterly and you try to reconcile? Have you done that? That relationship will never be the same again. I'm, I'm telling you. That enthusiasm, that excitement, once it dies, Paul said, and Paul is right, the moment you start slacking off from God and start giving a student, blah, 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 I'm telling you, it is impossible to return. 
If you try to return, it will not be the same. You may return once or twice, you fall again, you go away again. Something is not right. That's why he told us in Luke 9, 62, he said, whosoever puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not worthy for the kingdom of God. And you know one thing? Even in Hebrews 10, 26, he told us one thing. He said what? You got it, right? Right? 26? You are doing a great Hebrews job, Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Because the sacrifice... The anointing that broke the yoke is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If then we go contrary to him or against him, where is other sacrifice left? And by the way, some of these ones who say that doing the bread and oh, yeah, generational cost, we're going to do this thing. Tell them there is no more sacrifice. There is no more ritualistic anything anymore. It is all finish there. And that's all you're going to look for. And that is why God said, in fact, Peter got it right. What Second Peter 2, 20 to 22? We're not going to read it because of time. He said that, you know, look at the dog has gone back to his vomit. That's the end of it. If we try, anything you do in this life, never try to reconstruct and build that which you have destroyed. And whatever you do, don't try ever to destroy that which you have started, which you helped to build. Never. It's an abomination. If there's a dead walk, I've left the sins of this world, I try to raise them again. There is no more hope. Because God has offered the greatest sacrifice. There's nothing else that anyone can sacrifice. That's why he said, you know what he's going to do? For those people who turn away from him, he said, they'll go back into that generational cause. He said, I will give them delusion that they will believe in lies and they'll perish in it. Second Thessalonians 2, and we close. 7 to 11, or 7 to 12. Second Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. For the mastery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. Unto he. Read that again. I don't. Please, please let's get this. Paul is warning us. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only mm -hmm. he who now letteth will let. Him let. Know. Only who wants to know, let him know. Go on, yes. Until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, mm -hmm. and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan will all power and signs and line wonders. Stop right there. Who are those people whose parts are working as that of Satan? Please help me. They what? No, please, I don't want to say that anybody doing liberation, this, and that's what I'm talking about. Those deceivers, manipulators, and doing things that are putting people into bondage. The children of God, they are vulnerable. There is nobody who is as vulnerable. Let me tell you one thing. You know one thing, have, there's nobody who's as vulnerable than a patient. Somebody who's sick is so vulnerable. Do you know that? And do you know that anybody who comes to you because you are a servant of the Lord is so vulnerable like somebody who's sick? If you mislead him or her by any means, he said it was better you were not even born. Go on. Even him who is coming is after the working of Satan will all power and signs and line wonders 
and will all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Mm -hmm. Because they receive not the love of who the are truth. those who perish? Because what? Because they receive not the love of the truth. Of the truth. Yes. That they might be saved. Mm -hmm. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believeth not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are. We have pleasure on unrighteousness. That they may be damned, they may be perished. Now, that will not be our portion. I will end here. We started, we started wonderfully and beautifully with the way God had led us. And this is a very serious topic. That even if at all we don't finish the question today, if anybody wants to ask, we'll deal with it next time. But to get to a point where we understand that the key is in our hand, it's within us. Doing the will of God and not worried. And that which he told us, the sin of the Father will no longer be measured against the Son. Because right now, everybody will know me, and as far as I'm concerned, it's going to be a new covenant. And then everyone will be re rewarded according to what? His own <laughs> recompense. I will stop it right here. I, I hope and I pray that as God has led us today that this issue about generational causes, is, uh, we, we put it away. We put it away. So, and it will be the end of it. I pray so in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Today Evangelical Ministries. We would love to receive your feedback and stay connected with you. So send us your comments or questions through our website on our Contact Us page or by sending an email to info at tmonline.org. Our web address is tmonline.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. God bless you.